Welcome to The Worst Bestsellers, where we read about young adult literature's most powerful cat so you don't have to. I'm Kate. And I'm Renata. And for this episode, we read Angus Thongs and Full Frontal Snogging by Louise Renison. Joining us to discuss this saga of British 90s girlhood is JJ, someone with a touch of the Asian in the family. Hello, JJ. <laughs> Hello. How is everyone? <laughs> uh, thrilled thrilled to have read this book. Thrilled that you're back with us, JJ. Thrilled to be living our best flashback summer lives. Yes, I am so glad you guys agreed to read this because I hadn't read it probably since I was a teen myself, and I was a little worried. <laughs> I mean, parts of it don't really hold up quite as well because it was written in the late 90s, but I was like, oh, no, this is still just as enjoyable as it was when I first <laughs> read it as a teen. Yeah, I'm glad you suggested it. Um, by the way, this is Flashback Summers continuing, so we are reading these, um, you know, retro reads, and... Uh, and that's great. <laughs> this was one that I had not read as a teen, but did read when I was selling books in the mid-aughts. And I remembered basically zero about it. <laughs> 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 Although parts of it did come back to me as I was listening to it. I was like, oh, okay. Like I had those moments of being like, oh, I know exactly where I was when I read this for the first time. Uh um but yeah, when we agreed to it, I was like, yeah, I've read that before. And then I started it and I was like, I don't remember anything about this book. But uh, it it uh, did come back. It is pretty funny still. Yeah. Um, I did not remember all of the gay panic in it. <laughs> A lot of the gay panic. But, okay, this is what I mean by parts of it just don't hold up because I was like, wow, Georgia. <laughs> You've got some internalized, like, homophobia to kind of work through here to just sort of maybe, like, they're just a lot of this is what I mean by kind of like the late 90s stuff, the stuff that now us in, dear God, the 2020s, um, like, looking back on it are just like, ooh. Yeah, we would probably ask for, like, a sensitivity read on that these days. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. They're just for me because I read them all kind of together like in one big fell swoop as a teen, I just don't remember what belongs to what book and what belongs mm -hmm. to another book. And I feel like a lot of the episodes I remember best are actually from later books in the series because spoiler alert, there is another love interest that gets introduced, but he's not in this book at all. Oh. <laughs> Um, but there are there are ten of these books in total, and it's the series is collectively the Confessions of Georgia Nicholson, which is the main character's name. Um, I had never read any of these, and I did not realize that Angus was the name of the cat, and so that was such a. I just I had heard the title, I'd seen these books around. I assumed Angus was her boyfriend or like a love interest, <laughs> and then when I opened it up, and immediately it was like Angus is the cat. I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is very much on brand for you Renata to have yeah. uh, read a book like this <laughs> I know I think I think these came out maybe just a touch too late for me as a teen to have enjoyed and then um uh, yeah I don't know I never picked them up until now and that that was a real treat for me 
<laughs> and for Dorte, but we'll let him speak on it later. <laughs> <laughs> so we have been, JJ, we have been talking to folks who have chosen books that they read into in their childhood a little bit about what what drew them to these books as as youths or what in particular like caught caught your eye and stuck in your brain so much that now all these years later you're like yeah like let's read these for for a podcast all right so i got introduced to these I can't remember specifically, but I imagine I must have been just like browsing in my local bookstore at the time. I grew up in Southern California and we have a pretty well-established any bookstore there called Romans. Um, And the second floor, I remember this so vividly, but like when I was a teenager, children's fiction was all sort of lumped together and it wasn't really broken out into like middle grade or YA quite yet. Um, And the Georgia Nicholson books were all kind of like on the shelf with like Sweet Valley High Mm. um, and Tamara Pierce and Garth Nix. For some reason, those are like all the books that, yeah, that like my, our local bookseller just like, we're like, these are the teen books. And you guys are, you guys are going to be shocked. I've actually never read a Sweet Valley High book in my life. Oh, that's fine. Um, yeah, I, 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 Sweet Valley High was a little bit like older than these. I mean, a lot older yeah. than these, actually. I think they came out in the eighties, right? Yeah, and and this one um, was published in, in nineteen ninety nine. So, yeah, so I would have been right around middle school in ninety nine, and um, so I remember going up. I was not interested in the. Ooh, the Wakefield twins is that is that, that, is that um, yeah okay yeah um you know they just these blonde blue eyed girls on the cover and that's not me and there was a cat on the cover of the Georgia Nicholson books and they just seemed more my style I'm pretty sure that's kind of where I started reading them and yeah. then hilariously at the same time I was also reading Bridget Jones's diary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had read Bridget Jones's diary, but that is a big uh, age age gap in intended audience. Yeah, because Bridget's in her 30s, whereas Georgia is 14 when this book opens, which is right around the age I would have been. And it was much more relatable to me. And I also went to an all-girls private school. I went to an all-girls Catholic school. So some of the stuff, the shenanigans that she and her friends get up to are actually just so real to me. (laughs) Yeah, well, and like reading the author's note that was in my edition, it seemed like a lot of it was just like really ripped straight from Louise Renison's life directly. Oh, yeah. Like Louise Renison, Georgia Nicholson pretty much sound like the same person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 1999. I was in high school. So, yeah, I think it was just a few years too old for these in that way where like a few years really make a difference in one's youth. Yeah, especially as a teenager. Yeah. Whereas, like, I did read a lot of Sweet Valley High books just because they were around, because I inherited a box of them from cousins. You know, we already did an episode about that, so I don't need to explain how I got into Sweet Valley High, except (laughs) that they they were around. Um, What I do want to say is that JJ's a returning guest previously came to talk about Redwall, and I feel like this is a really, um, real, you know, just experience you were experiencing the whole range of human and animal 
world. Reaching <laughs> youth. I know. I I had very varied tastes, right? I was reading about um, anthropomorphic animals and also crushes and girly type anthrop- anthropomorphic olives. Yes. <laughs> yes. I think the thing, honestly, because I did used to do this as a kid, was I would open up the first page and read it, you know, just read like a couple pages to see if I liked the book. And I think I got to the point where she's listing all the things wrong with her. <laughs> and it's like, I went to a party as a stuffed olive. I have a, a spot, which is, I guess, what the Brits call a pimple on my mm-hmm. nose that never comes to a head, but just lurks about in a red way <laughs> for years. <laughs> I was like, oh, I have to buy this book. And then my mom was really mad that there were like 10 of them. <laughs> mm, yeah. Um, I also want to take a brief moment to envision a crossover where Angus the cat just absolutely annihilates Redwall. <laughs> oh, here, here's the question, because remember, we loved Gingivere, Squire Gingivere, the cat. Oh, yes. yes. Gingivere's heart is probably given to the, the barn owl, Captain Snow. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, there's... A universe where I can see where Angus just comes in, and and he and he and Gingivere must have had some sort of past, or they know each other, or <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah, that yeah, maybe maybe Angus would be an ally. Mm-hmm. I can see That's that. Nicer. That's nicer to think about. Angus does seem pretty unhinged. <laughs> um, well, well, let's get into it. Uh, let's let's get into to the Angus of it all. Yeah. Uh, as we alluded to, this is it's a diary format, and it kind of just goes through a school year. And so, I mean, the overarching plot, similar to previous books we've read this summer, similar to Are You There, Goddess Me, Margaret, similar to Anastasia Krupnik, it's just like, this is the school year, and we're going through the school year with Georgia, but in her diary. Yeah. And Georgia, as we said, is she's 14 years old. She is mostly concerned with uh her friends with boys and um with there are some sort of shifting dynamics in her family going on uh in the background that also you know take a a little bit of of time in her her diary as well yeah she has a much younger sister who is kind of a terror uh libby by the way, Liberty Libby's full name is Liberty. Like her parents named their kids Georgia and Liberty. What's, what's that? <laughs> I don't know because her dad is a Mason. We find that out later. Yeah. In like I had no idea what that was when I was a teenager either. So I was like, "What on earth is a Mason?" Uh, <laughs> Kate is uniquely prepared to tell us what a Mason is. I, I am uniquely prepared. So um, Colin Dickey, who's the author of many books that I've talked about on this podcast before, including Ghostland and the Unidentified, has a new book out called Under the Eye of Power, which is about conspiracy theories in America. And Ooh. does a monthly um, Monster of the Month um, lecture on Atlas Obscura, which started when he did the Unidentified um as kind of like a tie-in to that with like different cryptids and monsters that he didn't have a chance to cover in the unidentified and to tie into this book last night his lecture was on freemasons (laughs) 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 which was just like really good timing for me (laughs) 
So I, I had already been, because I had started listening to his book, so I'd already been listening, thinking about the Freemasons before reading this book. So the second she's like going through her father's drawers and she's like, oh, what's this weird fancy apron? I was like, oh my God, it's a Masonic apron. He's a Mason. <laughs> and then last night I was just like, this is, this is just such good timing. <laughs> So, Kate, what exactly is a Freemason? What do they do? So they're they're a, a group, like it's a quote-unquote secret society, but it's not really that secret. You know, it's it's a largely like a, a philanthropy group, like a men's social club, except that like, you know, there's all these like secret rights and stuff to get into it that have, you know, been the basis of a lot of conspiracy theories because – kind of the the founding principle was like, you know, in places like old timey, and well, I mean, still England, like in order to have power, you needed to be descended from a royal line. And the idea behind the Freemasons was that anyone could have, you know, power and support if they were part of this group. And it didn't have to be, you know, like just the wealthy or hereditary. But of course, as many things happen a lot of wealthy people still are kind of the the backbone of the group but it's tied in really closely with a lot of american history because a lot of the founding fathers were freemasons so Mm -hmm. a lot of like masonic imagery and things have made its way into like united states iconography and also the, the Masons kind of brag about how like we've been there since the founding of the country and George Washington was a Mason and Ben Franklin was a Mason and stuff like that. So it's caused a lot of people to come up with all of these like wild conspiracy theories, like the Masons control the country secretly and all sorts of things like that, which like, honestly is just kind of like an old dude social club. Um, they do a lot of philanthropic work too. Um, but yeah, that's, you know. And do they have to wear aprons? It is part of their, like, you know, special right <laughs> outfit, yes. That's amazing. I'm imagining, like, just like a like a regular, like a maybe like a frilly apron with, like, floral print on it that, like, <laughs> somebody would use, like, a 50s housewife baking cookies. I'm sure that's not what it looks like, but that was what I thought. <laughs> When, uh, yeah. when she's like opening it up and, you know, she was just like, what is this? Why is there an apron? And then this is not great to say, Georgia, but she was like, is my dad a transvestite? What is going on? So I'm imagining an incredibly feminine looking apron. Yeah, I have just Googled. It didn't occur to me to do this before. I've just Googled Masonic apron. It's not a full. It's only like a half apron, like from waist down. It has like the Masonic symbol on it which is like a oh a compass no what's the thing that you use in geometry compass yeah it is a compass yeah great i yeah not a not a north south compass the other kind of compass it's a that um it's not especially feminine looking it's the kind of thing if i found it in my dad's drawer i would be like oh is this for like does he use it when he's in the garage, I guess? Like, I don't know. It's not that weird. Yeah. <laughs> Compared to all the other things about the Masons, the apron is not that weird. 
It's true. Um, <laughs> I, when I hear about the Masons, I always mentally envision the stonecutters from the episode of The Simpsons. Yeah, I mean, it's it's that. It's, yeah. you know, or the fucking the Elks or any other, well, I guess that's more of like a public, but yeah, like any kind of sort oh, of like, like- the Shriners, at least yeah. where I grew up, the, the yeah. Shriners were kind of the same thing, like a, an old man social club with a philanthropic part to it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and, yeah. A, and a fun accessory. Yes, and a fun accessory for sure. <laughs> yeah, the Shriners have their little fez hats. The Masons, I guess, have these aprons. I'd rather have a fez hat, I think, if I were if I were part of a secret society. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, timing wise, timing wise, that worked out pretty well for me. Um but yes, it was pretty funny. Uh thanks, Colin Dickey. We all learned something today. <laughs> okay. Um, so George's diary. One yeah. of the very first things one of the very first discussions in it is when she's she's talking to her friend jazz who's her best friend but also best friend of me and um talking about okay so georgia has gone to a fancy dress party once as dressed as a big olive which i think is very funny but everyone at the party thought was weird and jazz says to her like well i thought it was funny and you think it's funny but you have to remember that boys don't think girls are for funniness and i was like why is this still true (laughs) and the worst yeah all the boys to be frank are kind of the worst in this this book um and they're all kind of the worst in the most realistic way i also feel that teenage boys Mm. are the worst Mm -hmm. um we can get into some of the some of the boy stuff, but like so we talked about Georgia at the beginning of this book is fourteen. Um, and so it, it's kind of weird because nowadays YA tends to have much older protagonists, or rather mm-hmm. on the older end of teenagers, um, instead of being fourteen. Uh, but that's like that sort of for me anyway, that was a transitional age where I would have thought it was it would be funny to go to a costume party dressed up as a stuffed olive. Mm -hmm. Um, but then like everyone around you is like starting to get like kind of horny because puberty is setting in Mm -hmm. and like maybe you're like not quite there with everyone yet. Yeah. It's like that was kind of the thing when I reread this um, because I, I guess, was pretty much a late bloomer as a, as a young girl. Like puberty hit me a little later than most of my peers. I also went to an all girls school, so Mm -hmm. I didn't have some of that like mixed gender experience a lot of people had um so like reading back on it i was like oh georgia's still kind of innocent in so many ways like even though she's so curious about things like boys and making out and sex and stuff she's still really innocent i think that was really kind of cute even though georgia's also kind of really mean (laughs) oh yeah yeah just so mean yeah and, and catty <laughs> one of the things that stri- uh strikes struck me i was gonna say early on but i think it's like halfway through the book is um so you know it, this is there's not really a plot to this it's really just georgia and her friends like dealing with boys and you know her friend jazz has a crush on a guy who works at a greengrocer and while going into like scope him out one day georgia spies his older brother robbie 
who she immediately calls a sex god and refers to as the sex god throughout um, and immediately has a crush on. And uh, he's older and he has a girlfriend and he is very like cold to her throughout most of the book. So, you know, it's obviously she, she pretends that, well, she, she acts as though they're enemies uh, in order to, I think, kind of like soften the blow of him blowing her off. Um, but she ends up going out, quote unquote, on a couple dates with these two other boys, one of whom is an older guy from her neighborhood who one day when he's kissing her just puts his hand on her breast and doesn't seem to do anything, just rests it mm-hmm. there. And she's just baffled by this. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. doesn't understand why he would do this or what he's getting out of it. And it, that, like, thought and comment had, like, a level of innocence that that made me, like, kind of feel for Georgia. Uh-huh. <laughs> she, she just, like, genuinely does not seem to understand why he would put his hand on her breast. Well, he- <laughs> yeah, here's the quote. What does it mean when a boy rests his hand on your breast? Does it mean he has the mega horn? Or was his hand just hired? <laughs> Was his hand just tired? And I I love using the mega horn as horny. <laughs> like, I want to incorporate that into my vocabulary for sure. There's a lot of vocabulary, like, ticks. Like, some of this must be British slang, but I think a lot of it is just the way Louise Renison must have talked. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just the funniest things that the way she describes things or the one I'm going to actually pull up is from later in the series, but she talks about wearing false eyelashes, but she just calls them boy entrancers. Yes. (laughs) And I still call them that if I'm ever putting false eyelashes on (laughs) for like an event, I'm like, I'm going to put on my boy entrancers. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I think that Georgia Georgia would have done numbers on Twitter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If these books had come out in the aughts or now, like th- it would be a social media book instead of a diary book, and there there would be some things lost to that. But she she's very funny and like has a lot of just like strange one liner observations. They're all so. <laughs> it's partially because she is so catty, especially with her friends. Like yeah. Her her poor friends. I was rereading this. It was just like, my God, she's kind of a bitch. Yeah. But in a very realistic way. And I think some of it gets softened by how much she genuinely cares about them, but also can't express it to them. <laughs> like, and her sister as well. Like, she really loves her little sister. And you can tell that she's, like, really innocent and soft, but then is putting on this, like, kind of more sarcastic older front to seem cool it's just really relatable it was relatable then and frankly it's still kind of relatable now (laughs) as an adult Mm -hmm. yeah she like particularly with and you know i i was thinking that too like i was remembering back when i was a teenager and like you know there were a couple friends in particular a couple of my school friends who you know, I, I I always, I feel like there's a lot of connotations that come with the word, like, best frenemy, but I had a couple of those, and it just, like, felt really relatable to a lot of the way that she was interacting with some of her friends in this book, where, like, 
you know, these people who were sort of my best friends, but also there were things about them that irritated me. And there were things about them that like I, that they would, things that they would do that I would take as like a personal offense and Mm -hmm. would be so like secretly mad at them. But also because I was so desperately didn't want to be alone. Like I would not, (laughs) you know, let it actually affect our friendship. And, you know, it does, it does feel like a very, even, well, I guess I was a teen at about the same time Georgia was, so I I don't know if it's still like that, but that in particular felt like a very universally relatable experience <laughs> to be like, this is my best friend, but I am not talking to her right now because of reasons that I understand and no one else does, but she <laughs> deserves it. Oh God, but I don't want to sit alone at lunch, so maybe I need to start talking to her again. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's like the friends because like you're friends because of proximity, right? Yes. Like you go to the same school together, you're in classes together, you live in the same neighborhood and like I'm not sure how many of Georgia's friendships might last when she gets into an adulthood. Um but it it, it felt a lot like that. Like a lot of the sort of I'm friends because we all eat together and we sit together and we have similar senses of humor. But beyond that, sometimes it's not necessarily a deeper emotional connection. Yeah. Yeah. They're very willing to put bros before hoes. <laughs> By which I mean boys ahead of female friendship. If this book has has a, a plot besides just sort of getting through the school year, one part of it is that her dad is uh, unemployed and then gets gets a job in New Zealand. So he goes to work in New Zealand and the rest of the family stays behind in... Where do they live in Britain? Do they say? I'm not sure if the Georgia okay. Nicholson books ever spe- like specify where. I know Louise Renison grew up kind of, I think, in Northern... I think yeah. in Northern England or like one of the counties up there, uh, yeah, but not it's, like it's a like big a city. It's like a midsize like town. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the it's, suburbs. Yeah. I was going to say it's giving British Stony Brook. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can yeah. see that. <laughs> um, so he, yeah, he's, he's in New Zealand and away from the family and, and it, it doesn't seem to affect Georgia as much as one might expect or at least in terms of what she's putting down in her diary but I also think that's like kind of relatable like I don't know like when I was in high school my dad worked second and third shifts so he just like wasn't around a lot and it was just kind of like okay like like I, I like I love my dad but like you know as is in the case with so many like heterosexual marriages and parentships like Mom was the one who was, like, taking us to school and stuff. Mom was the one who would do stuff for us. So, like, if dad wasn't around, it was like, okay. <laughs> uh, it's, and it's I can so say funny. this because my dad doesn't know what a podcast is still. <laughs> <laughs> well, her relationships with her parents are, you know, because, like, I'm friends with my parents now. But as a teenager, I would not. I, I don't conceive I didn't conceive of my parents having like an internal life of any kind, right? Yeah, and no. Neither does Georgia at all. Uh mm-hmm. it's so funny to me when like even like the book opens and she's going to the fancy dress party dressed as a stuffed olive and her dad wants to drive her there, I guess even though it's not that far. And he's like, Oh, you're not gonna walk. 
And and then she's like, well, I'm not going to get in your car. And then insists on driving next to her as she walks to the party. Yes. <laughs> um, and she's and her whole internal monologue is like, why are parents like this? You know, because yeah. she has no real conception <laughs> of their internal lives at all. Yeah, it's it's she. You know, she cares about her family. I would say most of all, probably her little sister. But like, honestly, and you know, I feel like this is true to many teenagers. Their struggles definitely take a backseat to the intense drama going on in her life that mm-hmm. to her seems life or death. You know, things mm-hmm. like going to a gig to see the boy she has a crush on, but he has a girlfriend and, you know, wanting to seem like cool and look older. Pluck, she, she Early on in the book, she decides to pluck her eyebrows and <laughs> plucks her eyebrows completely away. No, she gets a razor. Yeah. She, yeah. Cause plucking is like too, too hard. Yeah. 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 It hurt too much to pluck. And so she was like, well, if I just shave them, and then keep shaving away at them because she wants to get them even and then just shaves them off entirely. Yeah. And well, that I never did that to my eyebrows. The part where she first shaves her legs and just like it's a massacre. Like I definitely did that. Yes. That I definitely also. shaved my eyebrows, not entirely off, mind you. <laughs> but um, this is, of course, back in the early 2000s, back when thin eyebrows were a thing. Sure, 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 sure. And apparently are coming back, not coming back. I don't know about fashion anymore because I'm old. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, like, so my mom gave me these, like, really thin eyebrow razors they had in, like, Japanese, um, like, beauty stores. I guess oh. people would use those to, like, shave at Peach Fuzz and stuff like that. Um, oh. So I use them to like give myself incredibly thin arched eyebrows, and those pictures of me from when I was like fifteen, I was like, I need to burn all of these. <laughs> <laughs> these are terrible. It much like Georgia, like one time as a kid, I tried to pluck my eyebrows, and by as a kid, I mean a teen, and I was like, oh no, like that, this hurts too much, I give up, and. They, and like ne- literally never touched my eyebrows again and my hairdresser was actually recently complimenting me on them I was like I've literally never touched them like once as a youth I tried to pluck them and at the time I thought it hurt too much so I didn't try again and then I got too nervous to try anything and thank god because I, I think all the time if I destroyed my eyebrows in the 90s the <laughs> way that the way that other folks did like what my face would look like now so thank <laughs> thanks to my like weirdly low pain and it's funny now because now like as an adult i use an epilator to pluck all sorts of of like weird little facial hairs that i get and i it doesn't bother me at all <laughs> i'm just like whatever this isn't painful but like i tried to pull one hair as a teen and i was like no this flashback summer has really been us diving in <laughs> Into our own, into our own yeah. childhoods. Yeah, yeah. This, yeah. Is, this is quite a deep dive. I mean, they're just like plot wise, we were describing not a lot happens because it's the school year and it's mostly boys and her going to school. Um, I guess the real through line is probably boys. Yeah, where she and her friends are just trying to figure out how boys work, what they think. 
as we mentioned before, Jazz has a crush on a guy named Tom in their neighborhood who works at the greengrocer, which is hilarious to me because like when they go in and try to catch his attention, like an early scene where they're like going around, like I guess their version of Main Street or whatever, they they pretend to be French. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then the boys, which again are just feels like, very much like the kind of like weirdo shit you and your teen friends get up to. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So they pretend to be French because I guess they think French girls are cool or whatever. Of course, and then they are objectively. The, the guy then just takes her to a French person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, because she's like, "Oh, I'm lost," um, and he's like, "Okay," and she thinks that, "Oh, he's been so mesmerized by my Frenchness, I guess." But no, he just ends up taking her to a French person and be like, "Can you tell her where she needs to go?" And then she's like standing there dumbly, nodding her head because the person is fluent in French, and she's just like, "I have no idea what they're saying," <laughs> and I pretend that I'm still French. This kind of thing, it like when I was a teen, I loved uh, like the magazine, like YM embarrassing stories. Oh yeah, uh, you know, and I feel like a lot of this is simply just like embarrassing stories, and that's charming. The specificity of these stories really does make it seem like they are pulled directly from Louise Renison's life. Yeah. They're just so specific in ways that I was like, I don't know. You could be the most creative person in the world, but these have the ring of authenticity to them as they have been lived experiences. Yes. Yeah. Well, like, and my edition definitely had an afterward from Louise where she definitely pulls out some, like the olive thing she did herself as a teen, a few others she names as like, this is just like literally what I did as a teen and that tracks and it it you can it feels true i have a question yes. which is not quite about the book itself because as i mentioned before this is a little younger than what ya is is currently mm-hmm. um but also because it's so episodic do you think that people would be interested in it now I can tell you at my library we had we didn't have the whole series. We had the first one until like maybe last year and it was weeded because it just hadn't gone out in a couple years. So in in my specific library no, people are not interested in it. But I do think it could be adapted into you know, a Disney Plus original series. Like I know there was a movie, but I think that the humor of it, a lot of it could be sort of like touched up and oh, you know what? It could you know what I think this could be is a real strong graphic novel adaptation. Oh. Oh. Yeah, that would be really cute. Cause then you could have like her diary entries like at the top of the panel. Yeah. You know, and like, you know, funny facial expressions at the bottom. That would actually be quite cute. Yeah. And a lot of Angus are obviously Yeah. I love the description of Angus. <laughs> I did want to touch on Angus because it, it is, it feels very true to this podcast to talk about Angus. Of course. Um, Angus is this like giant, half feral cat that they literally pick up while on vacation in the Scottish Highlands. 
and who terrorizes all the other animals in the neighborhood, including yes. the poodle that the people next door have. Um, yes. And is just like a, a little monster who um, Georgia very, seems to love with her whole He's very heart. powerful. He's a very <laughs> powerful cat. Yeah. Uh, yes. And it, I... If you are not aware of of my cat Duarte's lore, he also was a a feral garbage cat that I brought home from the Dominican Republic. So he feels, and I'll let him speak on that when it's his turn. But he, there's a lot of kinship between Duarte and Angus for sure. Although Duarte is smaller than average cat, but he makes up <laughs> for it with his his power and his <laughs> um you know, his very articulate opinions as well. I feel like all the best cats are actually garbage cats. Oh, of course. Yeah. Because my friend has a really adorable, like a black and white cat, kind of like not a not quite a calico, but just like kind of patches name. And she found her in the garbage and named mm-hmm. her Poutine. Oh, <laughs> yes. Like, great garbage cat name. Poutine. I know. <laughs> And I was just like, these are all so cute. They're all so like I want I'm I'm unfortunately I'm mildly allergic to cats, but my husband is incredibly allergic to cats. Mm. Otherwise, I would have adopted a lot of garbage cats myself. Uh-huh. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, like I, I know Angus is on the cover of the book, but I guess I just never I, I never assumed that this cat would be named Angus. If it had been clear to me that this is Angus parentheses the cat thongs and full frontal snogging. <laughs> I'm sure it would have like been quicker to pick this up. Yeah. Um. Oh, one one other thing I want to jump back to. I've just scrolled to the top of the Google Doc and I remembered. And I first of all, I want to say that JJ self selected being introduced as someone with a touch of the Asian in the family. So don't <laughs> don't cancel Kate for saying that. Um, who we are canceling is uh, Auntie Kath. Because uh, that was that was a quote from well from the book from George's diary where she her eyes are swollen and she says I look like there is a touch of the Asian in my family sadly not the case the nearest we have to any exotic influence is Aunt Kath who can sing in Chinese but only after a couple pints of wine <laughs> it just like first of all a pint of wine. A couple of pints of wine. Auntie Kath go off. <laughs> and then this drunken singing in Chinese. I like shudder. Like this. It's so funny that she just like drops this in. And you know isn't giving out the I'm sure like nonsense racist syllables that Auntie Kath is like producing. But just just giving you enough that you can fully envision what Auntie Kath is up to. Well, let's talk about some of the quote problematic aspects of this what? book because yes. there are is a lot to unpack here, mm-hmm. especially about queerness, and there is some racism. Um, and yet, <laughs> here I am, and I'm like, I know this is a problem, and I know this is not acceptable, and yet I am laughing my head off at so many of these anecdotes. Um, the let's talk about let's talk about George's feelings on lesbians. Because she has a lot of them. A lot of them. Here's what I want to say as a blanket statement is I think that, and as I was about to say the sentence, I was like, oh no, this is like what Twitter bros use all the time to get away with shit. And Twitter bros, no. But I think because she's like so honest and so like, she'll say like, 
true things that make herself look bad too like there is a there is an honesty and just like a well this is what Auntie Kath says where it's just it doesn't feel as pointed as it could be even though again there's still like problematic things to say and the other thing the other like kind of blanket statement I think is interesting about her her, she is deeply afraid of of being perceived as lesbian, but also being a lesbian, and and which I do think for being written in 1999, I think what's interesting is that like she is saying the word lesbian, she's like saying all this out loud, versus I think a lot of other books would just sort of never even address the concept of lesbianism directly whatsoever, and just be like, well, of course, like we all have crushes on boys, and like da 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 da, you know what I mean? I I mean I guess like the the to me it feels very like late 90s early aughts in that it's it's safe to make jokes about lesbians because lesbians are non-threatening that's mm-hmm. the the, mm. the feeling that it really gets is cuz it's it's never you know, the idea is if boys don't like me, I'll have to become a lesbian. And that is the repeated through line is that she's having trouble getting a boyfriend. So she'll have to become a lesbian. And it is it is very of the time, which does not excuse it. But it, I'm so I'm not saying that to excuse it. I'm saying it more to like, because that that feels that very like late 90s, early aughts, like, Oh, like we're we can acknowledge gay people now, but like only as like comedic relief, mm-hmm. and that's yeah. really what it it feels to me like a gift because it's it's a constant thing throughout the book is that she is constantly like from the very beginning of the book, all the way through the end is she is just like oh like you know I, I'll just have to become a lesbian because boys won't date me. Meanwhile, she she dates like at least three different boys over the course of this book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> over the course of a single year. But um and that's that's like it, you know it it felt it's weird that I didn't I didn't really pick up on it when I was first reading it in the mid-aughts. Um and now and I I do feel like it's because that was like the humor of the time for better or yeah. worse. Yeah, I think that again the the lens that we're putting on it, right? Because we are more sensitive to these sorts of things, and there's more nuance, and we're more aware of it. Um, because there's just there's certain things that Georgia says. This is what I mean by Georgia's really mean, not just to her friends, but in general, she's kind of a mean person. Incredibly fat phobic things that she says about. Oh yeah, oh, my God, yes, teachers. I was like, oh my God, I of course you know being around Georgia's age when I first read them, of course, I don't think anything of it. You don't think critically about it um, that now I do as an adult. And yet there are parts of it where I'm just like, maybe it is because I am projecting my own past self. I was ignorant of all those things, right? Like I didn't know that this was offensive or wrong or anything like that. And I see that ignorance. It's It doesn't, I'll put it this way, it doesn't come across as being like, I'm a hateful bigot. Right, um, and that's why I'm saying all these things. Um, it's this is what everybody else says, and my sort of humor is being kind of mean to people, and it's not just these specific groups. Particularly, I'm kind of mean to everyone. Yeah, 
Yeah, which is that kind of like edgelord, like I I hate all people equally thing that like now today we're like uh gross. But I mean that was yeah the humor of the nineties of the aughts. And we I lived think, through it. I think too what JJ was saying about like saying these things without really realizing what they mean too feels mm-hmm. very like fourteen. You know, to to be like, oh, well, like everyone, like, as I even remember, like back in college, you know, there was a girl who a lot of people I knew sort of like, who was a, a like, f- fucking asshole. She was a fucking asshole. <laughs> like, <laughs> let me, let me, let me be clear about this, that she was a jerk. Um, but like a, a few people who I knew would like pick on her because of her weight, which, like she was a jerk but it just felt like that's like just sort of the thing that you do you know like mm-hmm. regardless like no one no one was interrogating i think especially and especially weight uh to this day in this country like people insulting someone's appearance if they're a bad person to this day i think a lot of people look at as like a kind of what well, well that's just what you know they're they're terrible, so I I can say these things about them and it's fine. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Big Chris Christie energy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I want to read. I I pulled so many little quotes from this because it's just so quotable. Uh, but here's here's three diary entries from the same like from within an hour of each other, and they're time stamped. Eleven p.m. I can already feel myself getting fed up with boys and I haven't had anything to do with them yet. Midnight. Oh God, please, please don't make me have to be a lesbian like Harry Kate or Miss Stamp. 12, 10 AM. What do lesbians do anyway? (laughs) (laughs) She's considering it. She considers it multiple times throughout the book. Um, because she, she first of all, she wonders, how do you know if you're a lesbian, right? Which I think is actually a genuine question a lot of kids do have. Like, how do I know oh, yeah. if I'm queer? Um, and then she kind of methodically goes about it. I think you, I think you brought it up in the Google Doc, Renata, but she was just like, I got out all of my pictures of Denise Van Outen and tried to mm-hmm. imagine making out with her to see if I was a lesbian. And I was like, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Yes. And then I had to, I was like, I don't know who this is. She, so there's multiple times, this book is like so British that I had to paste a lot of Wikipedia entries in here. Denise Van Outen is an English actress, singer, dancer, and presenter. She presented The Big Breakfast, played Roxy Hart in the musical Chicago on the West End, and finished up as runner-up in the 10th series of the BBC One dancing show, Strictly Come Dancing. So... Yeah, I just I think I think it's like, oh, let me imagine making out with like um I'm trying to think of the equivalent like TV hostess type person in the US. And all that's Ooh. coming up for me is Tyra Banks. I think <laughs> you know, sure. I got all my pictures of Tyra Banks and tried to imagine kissing her. Yeah, like imagine you've got posters of like America's Next Top Model, like the first yeah. two seasons that were good, and then yeah, yeah, <laughs> trying to imagine kissing one of the models. I feel like that's probably what it is. Yeah, you, it's like July six thirty p.m. So this is what men are like. Well, that's it. Then I'm going to be a lesbian. Yeah. And then seven p.m. I got out some photos of Denise Van Outen and tried to imagine kissing her. 
7.05 p.m. I can't do it. 7.10 p.m. I'll have to be a nun then. And, and these kind of like short timestamp entries are also like exactly what I mean about like uh, Georgia would do numbers on Twitter. Like yes. just this would translate so well to just like a Twitter thread. Uh, here's a couple lines from June with her, both with her talking to Jazz that are great. One is she's getting like exchanging notes on kissing with Jazz, and Jazz says we like variety, whereas boys like the same. Georgia says, "How do you know that?" <laughs> And Jazz says, it's in Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, which is, like, hilarious, which is worse bestsellers canon. And also, I don't think that is in Men Are From Mars. (laughs) 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 Uh, And then later, how do you get to become a lesbian? Why? Are you going to give it a go? You can't just give it a go. You can't just think, oh, I'll give being a lesbian a go. (laughs) Which is, and it's, it's funny, like that, and I, like, that's sort of what I mean, like, that's just, I feel like that's a, a joke that even, like, older women still make to this day. Oh, where yeah. it's like, oh, like, you know, oh, men are so terrible, I wish I could just be a lesbian, lol, and it's one where when you are queer, you're like, I would rather walk into the sea than have someone else make this joke to me one more time. Mm-hmm. Um it's not as funny as you think it is, but it was like peak humor for frazzled women in like the late nineties, early aughts. Yeah. And it was always, it's sort of like at this point in the late nineties, early aughts, being a lesbian or sort of lesbianism was sort of like equated with being a man hater Essentially, right? Because it's like, if men are terrible, then the only option is to become a lesbian because lesbians don't have anything to do with men. Um, And I feel like that's kind of what it is also is it's just like, it's just, if you replace lesbian with just like man hater, (laughs) like somebody who is just a man hater, and then that's kind of what it's being used as, I think, throughout most of this book. Not all of the time, but a lot of the time. Anytime, it's almost always in response to, oh, boys are terrible. I guess I'll just have to be a lesbian or a nun. (laughs) Yeah. She does also have a kind of like performative fear of the lesbian gym teacher ever like looking at her, which is gross on George's part. But uh, uh, there just a lot of this is what I mean by. This does not hold up. And if we were to try and update, I feel like if you were to try to update these books for today, um, I love the graphic novel idea. I think that's so funny. I mean, or like Tumblr, like Georgia would have done so well on Tumblr. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. That or, um, but I think you could easily cut out all the fat phobia references to her teachers. Um, would not make it any less funny. You could cut out um, most of the mild racist references would not be any less funny. Um, you know, we'd have to work with, we'd have to figure out what to do with the the homophobia that's in it. But, uh, but like kind of, you could sort of do it and I don't think it would be any less funny. It's not like this sort of humor is that intrinsic. To, yes. To yeah. This yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot like even despite, you know, these quote unquote problematic elements, like 
I laughed a lot listening to this. Oh, yeah. You know, like this was still it, you know, it's still Georgia. Georgia's uh, has as <laughs> my grandmother might have said, Georgia's a bit of a character. Uh-huh, <laughs> and, uh-huh. You know, she's uh, her her style of, you know, Louise Redison's style of writing. The tone of the books is still hilarious. It's it's very charming. It does have that like there's just you know because i i've read a lot of these like sort of diary kind of epistolary sort of put together books over the years and you know she really just has a talent for like not just one-liners but like building to a joke and carrying that joke throughout that like really really kind of made this book particularly funny yeah Oh, the other thing I think I wanted to bring up was the uh, age differences. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Um, again, something that I did not notice when I was 14. But again, when I was 14, I had no real world experience mm-hmm. to know that that is just creepy and kind of ick. <laughs> Yeah. It always makes me think I like to think of it as sort of um the Stacy issue. Uh yeah. after the times in Babysitters Club where 13-year-old Stacy had a 16-year-old boyfriend. Oh right. And we all just thought that was fine. <laughs> oh my god, I oh my god, I forgot. <laughs> Yeah, and I do think Stacy is even wilder cuz like she is in 8th grade. Like yeah. Georgia's 14 and her the boy Peter that she like ends up with at the end of this book is 17 and reading it now. It's like, uh Oh, but I mean, even like when I was in high school, I like when I was a, a first year student, a freshman, one of my friends dated a senior and we were all like, wow, that's like so cool. And now I'm like, what was that yeah. senior up to? Like, we're not in touch with that person anymore, but I'm like, Hey, wait, Hey, but like it did happen. Yeah, and I think, too, it's very, like, it, I think it, because people's maturity is all over the map. Yeah. I don't want to turn this into, like, you know, the fucking people on the internet who are like, oh, my God, it's a two-year age difference. He's a pedophile. Yeah. Um, you know, because I think maturity is all over the map. And, like, I don't, I, I don't want to necessarily, like... Like, I knew a lot of people who were freshmen who dated seniors, and it was, like, it was fucking fine. It was a little shady now as an adult to look at. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, like, no, it was fine. Yes. Like, the thing that I think even more so than Robbie, who is, you know, 17 to Georgia's 14, is that early on in the book, there is a boy who is um, also 17, who is giving kissing lessons oh. to girls. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. To younger yes. girls at school who is 17 to their 14. And that to me felt that was like the, the one that really made my skin crawl. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I misspoke. I, I said Peter a minute ago when I met Robbie. Yeah, Robbie is the one that she kind of ends up with. Peter's the kissing lessons boy. And yeah. And by the way, and she reports this as like basically a positive experience. And but like what? What? It, it, <laughs> there is, um, there's a movie oh, I can't remember. Um, it's a Bertolucci film, but it's 
it's got like Liv Tyler and Rachel Weiss from like the early 2000s. I remember watching this when I was like 15. Um, again, I might have been too young at the time <laughs> now that I look back on it. But the they're sort of like all – it's like one summer in Italy and this like high school – like girl between high school and college is going off to like this one artist colony in Italy and all the sexual escapades, kind of sexual escapades. Like she's still a virgin and there's like a whole bunch of people who are kind of like creepily interested in her. But she ends up choosing – the guy close to her age, so it's fine. Um, but like Rachel Weiss is talking about how it was just like losing her virginity. That her character was talking about like losing her virginity to like the town bike, basically. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm, she was mm-hmm. just like, I was just like, whatever, it's fine. It's like about time. And I thought I might as well get it over with. And it was just, I don't know if it was just like a thing that people thought about back then or if it was common or what but that's actually what it reminded me of where she's just like well i have no experience so might as well go to the person who's offering to teach me yeah and and i do think like as a as a 14 year old i might have been someone who was like oh i i think honestly i would have still been like too shy to even like show up and try for kissing lessons but i do think that's a concept that would have appealed to me like you know, it is something where you have anxiety about, like, oh my god, what's and how do you know how to kiss? Like, da da da, da. like that's a time honored teen tween yeah, she, anxiety to have. All of her anxieties are so realistic. She's like, like, which side do you turn your head to? Like, how do you yeah. know? Or like all those like funny little thoughts that do go through your head when you're like, well, I've never kissed anybody before. How does this work? How does this physically work? Like, and in a weird way because this is like a neighborhood kid, right? Peter is mm-hmm. a neighborhood kid. In a weird way, it's safer. Yeah. Yeah. So People yeah, like know I, him. I don't yeah, I don't like fault Georgia. I mean, A because she's a fictional character, but like I get why she would want to do this. I get why it seems like appealing. What I what I uh like textually want to know is like what is what is his deal? Yeah. Cause that's, that's, I feel the same way. Like, and I, cause I think, you know, like I was saying earlier, you know, maturity level, I think has a lot to do with it. And it varies so much at this point in people's like, not to turn the, like, honestly, every fucking flashback summer episode <laughs> this summer, I've been like, here's a very personal thing about me that I will reveal. Um, here's a very personal thing about me that I will reveal. Mm. <laughs> when I lost my virginity, my girlfriend at the time mm. was like, are you sure? Like, are you sure you're ready? Da, 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 da. And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. It's just sex. Like, and that's, that is like genuinely how I felt. And it's how I still feel. And, you know, like she was like treating, cause it was, it was to her and she, had, she was no longer a virgin at the time. But like, to me, it wasn't that aspect of of it was not a big deal to me and still isn't like I at that point in my life was not looking at at it like oh my god like I'm gonna have sex with this girl it's because I love her and I'm gonna spend the rest of my life with her and this is a monumental moment but I had like reached a point where I was like oh like I'm horny and I want to do this so it'll be fine and it was (laughs) you had the mega horn Yes. The mega horn. I, I think that that like yeah. you know, there's such a wealth of maturity and experience and preparedness for things like that when you're a teen. Like it's such a a wide, you know, realm of experience 
in that age group that like I'm sure there are girls like Georgia who like were like yeah like I want to learn how to kiss and there's this guy who I know who's you know goes to my school so like I'll fucking go and and do it and but I'm sure that there are also like young girls who are nervous who are like who it would be a bigger deal to than than it was to Georgia who was clearly like all right well I'm gonna go do this and I'm gonna learn how to kiss and I did it and hooray like I'm ready to move on because like then he asked her out and she's like I don't want to go out with him I just wanted to learn to kiss from him like (laughs) yeah yeah and that to me felt very relatable (laughs) yeah (laughs) I I agree because similar not similar talk about personal stories um but similar to Georgia not that I went to the neighborhood boy to learn how to kiss from him or anything like that um but there was a boy in my middle school and you know just decided to kiss him because he seemed willing and whatever and and then I was like all right cool I did it once and it's fine I'm not into this guy but now I know what it's like and then he kept trying to ask me out afterwards I was like, oh no, I didn't, I didn't mean it like that. That was just, I just, I was curious and you were, ha- you were there. Oh, <laughs> I felt bad, but you know, like that, that whole scene where she just kept being like, why is, why is Peter keep calling me? Like, why, why does he want to hang out with me? <laughs> like, all those questions she's had. And I was like, I've been there. Oh my God. Yeah. To wrap up the books, I'm doing air quotes on a podcast plot. Toward the end, uh, Angus the powerful cat gets out and like goes missing for kind of a while. Yeah. And um, you know, George is worried. Her mom is kind of a dick about it. Uh, and then Robbie finds Angus and brings him back. And she's here's a quote I pulled that I think is also like relatable for anyone who maybe would find Duarte if he were to get out. Is she's like, Oh my god, thank you so much. And he was like, Yeah. Oh, he's like, no worries. The scratches will heal in time, and I should be able to replace <laughs> the trousers. <laughs> um, and that is very romantic, actually. Like Robbie was willing to be just like absolutely ravaged by this horrible cat for for George's well-being and for Angus's well-being. And you know what? Great. To be honest, Robbie's not that... Like, he's not really that creepy. He might be 17, but he seems like a nice guy. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, you know, and he repeatedly says he's too old for Georgia in that, like, I think looking back on it now, I'm just like, oh, he's saying that because he wants different things than Georgia does. And that's why mm-hmm. he keeps telling her, I'm too old for you, rather than like my maturity level is too old for you. I think that's kind of his mindset. <laughs> but yeah. it's like we want different things out of a relationship. Therefore, I'm too old for you. Yeah. Um, he seems like a nice guy, you know? The the one other thing that I that we didn't really touch on that I just thought was like so like weird and so high school was that throughout the book, um, up until the end, Robbie has a girlfriend named Lindsay. And when Lindsay is at school and not around Robbie, um, you know, at the the uh when she's just like around the other girls, she wears a ring that she claims is an engagement <laughs> ring and then like takes it off whenever she's gonna be around him. <laughs> it just something about that was just so like weirdly charming to me in a like 
yes, that is absolutely something that a teenage girl would do to brag to her friends. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's serious, you guys. I have a ring. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Uh shall we move on to our dramatic readings? Yes, because they are very funny. <laughs> yes. Okay. So I'm gonna start off with just a little introduction to uh t- to my boy Angus. When I did get to the door, I had to go back and change my tights because my cat, Angus, had one of his Call of the Wild episodes. He really is completely bonkers. We got him when we went on holiday to Loch Lomond. On the last day, I found him wandering around the garden of the guest house we were staying in. Terry a wee while, it was called. That should give you some idea of what the holiday was like. I should have guessed all was not entirely well in the cat department when I picked him up and he began savaging my cardigan. But he was such a lovely looking kitten, all tabby and long haired with huge yellow eyes. Even as a kitten, he looked like a small dog. I begged (laughs) and pleaded to take him home. He'll die here. He has no mummy or daddy, I said plaintively. My dad said he's probably eaten them. Honestly, (laughs) he can be callous. I worked on mom, and in the end, I brought him home. The Scottish landlady did say she thought he was probably mixed breed, half domestic tabby and half Scottish wildcat. I remember thinking, oh, that will be exotic. I didn't realize that he would grow to be the size of a small Labrador, only (laughs) mad. I used to drag him around on a lead, but as I explained to Mrs. Next Door, he ate it. Anyway, sometimes he hears the call of the Scottish Highlands. <laughs> uh, and I, I think that's relatable. And I think, like, all cats, whether or not they're Scottish, sometimes hear the call of the Scottish Highlands. And they I get- love the call of the wild. Um, yeah. Also, all of her interactions with Mrs. Next Door, which is hilarious <laughs> that she calls her Mrs. Next Door, um, are just have to do with Angus and Mrs. Next Door's terrible pet ownership. Yeah, Mrs. Next Door lets like a guinea pig is not an outdoor pet. No, and, she, <laughs> and she's like, "Oh, your cat is like harassing my guinea pig." I'm like, "Why is the guinea pig in the yard, Mrs. Next Door?" <sighs> All right, um, I'm gonna do the next dramatic reading and. Uh, I am going to jump around a little bit. Uh, in April, Georgia and Jazz decide that they are going to stalk Lindsay, Robbie's girlfriend. And in the course of it, well, I'll just read it. <laughs> 5.15 p.m. Outside Lindsay's posh house, the U's. The house is all on one level, which means that Lindsay's bedroom would be on the ground floor, which means we might be at which means we might be able to see in through the window. Teehee. First things first, though. Time for a nourishing meal. 6.30 p.m. Double chips and Coke. Yum, yum. 6.45 p.m. Stalky spotted leaving the front room. Did not reappear. We suspect she has gone to her room to start the long, desperate job of making herself look okay to go out with Robbie. 6.58 p.m. We decide to risk going around the back of the house. I whispered to Jazz, I hope they haven't got a cat. And she said, don't you mean a dog? And I said, have you met Angus? (laughs) There was a side path and we went really carefully down it. We had nearly reached the back garden when a head popped up from behind the next door's hedge. A really bald head, like Uncle Eddie's. Quick as a flash, Jazz said, shh, we're giving Lindsay a big surprise. She winked at the man and he disappeared. 
We crept on round the back of the house. Lindsay's bedroom faced into the garden, and she had her curtains half pulled back so you could see in. Her bedroom was a nightmare of frilly white things, frilly pillows, frilly bedspread, Teletubby hot water bottle cover. (laughs) Lindsay put on a tape and Jazz and I looked at one another. It was Genesis. Jazz mime being sick. We had to keep bobbing our heads down as she turned directly to face the window. She disappeared off through another door and we could hear a sort of gurgling noises. She's got an unsweet bathroom. That's very bad feng shui. Jazz said, why? And I said, I don't know, but it's very bad. And you have to have about 50 goldfish to make it okay again. Have you seen her (laughs) alarm clock? It's got a sleepy face on it. Lindsay emerged from the bathroom with her hair all scraped back from her face, wearing a bra and a thong. I don't understand thongs. What is the point of them? I tried on one of mom's that she uses for aerobics. Well, she's supposed to use it for aerobics, but she only went once. She said that she nearly knocked herself out during the running in one place because her breasts got out of hand. (laughs) anyway i tried her thong on and it felt ridiculous they just go up your bum as far as i can tell then i saw something even more grotesque Lindsay didn't have any hair on her womanly parts what had she done with it she couldn't have shaved it off could she i thought of the state of my legs the time i had shaved them i felt quite faint Lindsay was so skinny at least i filled my bra then before our eyes, the stocky did two things that were very significant. One, she took off her ring and kissed it. Two, she got some sort of pink rubber things and put them in her bra underneath her breasts. The rubber things pushed up her breasts and made it look like she had cleavage. What a swizz. I said to Jazz, I bet you Robbie doesn't know about that. Um, and then later on, she goes to meet up with Robbie. 7.50 p.m. Outside the Odeon, Robbie was waiting. My heart went all wobbly. He looked so cool. Why wasn't he mine? Lindsay went up to him. The moment of truth. I wanted to yell out, she has bits of pink rubber down her bra and she wears a thong. I held my breath and Jazz's hand. She whispered, get off you, Lezer. Then Lindsay put her face forward and Robbie kissed her. 8 o'clock p.m. Walking home, eating more chips, I said, what sort of kiss do you think it was? Was there actual lip contact or was it lip to cheek or lip to corner of mouth? I think it was lip to corner of mouth, but maybe it was lip to cheek. It wasn't full frontal snogging, though, was it? (laughs) I think she went for full frontal and he converted it into lip to corner of mouth. Yes. (laughs) He didn't seem keen, though, did he? No. Didn't you think so either? No. No, neither did I. The funny thing I wanted to mention about like, so Georgia's 14, so she doesn't really have, you know, she's not filled out the bra quite as much yet, but like apparently every other woman in her family has enormous breasts. Um, Like early in the book, she talks about her mom having like a shelf situation (laughs) where, where, you know, like all of the other women in her family can like rest things on top of their breasts (laughs) if they needed like a place to put them. Um, but like spoiler, further like later books, Georgia also gets rather enormous boobs. Um, and in fact, one of the books is called "Knocked Out by My Nunga Nungas," <laughs> which is what what they call boobs because that's what that's the sound they imagine that they make if you like pull one. It's like nunga 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 nunga. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so that's a spoiler for future books. I do love these, I have to say. Even if they're problematic, I think they're really funny. All right, so the last dramatic reading I will be doing, and it is from May. It is a school anecdote because the book is littered with those, and it's about between her and the German instructor. Um, I'm going to try to do this in a British accent, but uh, we'll see how this goes. Ooh, I'm <laughs> thrilling. Uh, Tuesday, May 4th, 4.30pm. Home, exhausted from laughing. My ribs hurt. Slim has made me be on cloakroom duty for the next term, but I don't care. It was worth it. Well, here is what happened. It was during double physics, and it was just one of those afternoons when you couldn't start laughing and you feel a bit hysterical. For most of the lesson, I've been yelling, Jawohl, Herr Kommandant! and clicking my heels together every time Herr Kamiya asked if we understood what he had been explaining. We were doing the molecular structure of atoms and how they vibrate. Herr Kamiya was illustrating his point with the aid of some billiard balls on a tea towel on his desk. It was giving me the giggles, anyway, and then I put my hand up because I had thought, it was a, thought of a good joke. I put my hand up with the finger pointing upward, like in, Who ate all the pies? And when Herr Kamiya said, Yes, I said, Hakamia, what part of the tea towel play? What part does the tea towel play in the molecular structure? That is when Hakamia made his fateful mistake. He said, "Ah, no, I merely use the tea towel to keep my balls still." It was <laughs> pandemonium. I could not stop laughing. You know when you really, really should stop laughing because you will get into dreadful trouble if you don't, but you still can't stop. Well, I had that. I had to be practically carried to Slim's office. Outside her office, I did my best to get a grip, and I thought I had just about stopped and was under control when I knocked on the door and she said, Come. In my head, I was thinking, Please, please don't ask me anything about it. Just let it go. Please talk about something else. Just don't ask me about it. Please, please. <laughs> Slim was all trembly and jelloid. Can you tell me, Georgia... What is quite so amusing about Herr Kamiya's experiment on the vibration of atoms? I tried. God knows I tried. Well, Miss Simpson, it's just that he used a tea towel. He used a tea towel, yes. He used a tea towel to keep his balls still. And then I was off again. <laughs> <laughs> and then later she's like, midnight. Bloody funny, though. <laughs> <laughs> so that was that's just a small anecdote between her and the and the German prof German teacher who also does physics. <laughs> yeah, it's she's right. It's bloody funny. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Yeah. This. Yeah. Okay. Um. By the way, great great British accent. You're. I'm glad that you went last because I would not want to follow that. Yes, same. <laughs> Excellent job. Yes. It's funny because in my – I also listened to this on audiobook um, and the narrator is actually not how I imagined Georgia to sound because uh, Louise Renison is from, I think, as I mentioned before, kind of the northern part of England. So I imagine more of a northern accent for Louise Renison or for <laughs> for Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> um. So that's kind of what I was thinking of, but. 
At any rate, let's move on to reader's advisory to suggest some books to read instead of or in addition to uh, the the uh, the George Nicholson books. Uh, off the top, I I just want to say that uh, if you didn't know, our our guest JJ is in fact the author SJ Jones, and I am like. <laughs> I'm I'm like so excited both times that she's been on the podcast. I'm like, ah, like I, I mean, whenever we have like a legit good author on the podcast, I'm like, are you sure? But <laughs> <laughs> um, but thank you. And um I think when this when this episode comes out, her latest book will either be about to come out or it'll be out. It'll be out August 1st. Okay, it will be out. The book will be out. So go and get, go and get it right away. Um, it's not particularly similar to this, but I do. Okay, the book is called. Actually, is it Guardians of Dawn colon Zara or is it Zara colon Guardians of Dawn? I- it's got it. Yeah, it's Guardians of Dawn colon Zara because Zara. Each, oh. It it honestly it's fine. Um, <laughs> the <laughs> series is called Guardians of Dawn. Got it. And then each book has a different girl. So Guardians oh, of Dawn, okay. colon, and then each book will be the name of the girl that it is following through the series. So the first one is called Guardians of Dawn, Jara, because it is Jara's book. That makes sense. That tracks. Um, but I do think that there are, like, there is kind of a similar through line. Like, I know you um, have said that it was sort of somewhat inspired by Sailor Moon, which I never um really watched as a kid but i think also there is a sort of similarity to georgia in in the sense of being a sort of like relatively naive and unexperienced um but also sort of horny girl yeah also yeah um, (laughs) yeah my character is um gets giggly around good-looking people Mm -hmm, (laughs) so mm -hmm. um i also there is some similarity i think you could say it is fantasy and it is mm-hmm. set in like an East Asian fantasy type world. But Sailor Moon was also 14 in the anime. And I really mm-hmm. tried to channel the feeling of the anime into these books. So, yes, they are high fantasy novels, but I tried to maintain that sort of like younger humor throughout. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of an alt. Also, there's a cat in my book. I should, yes. I should add. <laughs> yes. I can, well, I can't believe I didn't lead with that uh, personally. But, um, yeah. So mu- much to much to like about this book, which I read an early copy of, and I I liked it all very much. And I'm looking forward to what what will be the next one? Will the next one be about a character who's already in this one, or is it going to be a new character? Or can you say? Um, well, we do still follow Jara, but it will okay. be a girl we have not met. Yet, although we oh, okay. have heard of her in book Ooh, one. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so I just obviously this is not like your only uh promotional uh <laughs> task. Uh which thank goodness you have other marketing because well, this would not do it. But um it here, if one you, marketing tact and it was coming on this show where we yeah. talked about a different book. Yeah, yeah, where we talked about a different book and did not introduce you by full name, which again was JJ's request. But now yeah. that we're here, I want to be like, hey, hey, pay some pay some respect to this fine <laughs> author in our midst. <laughs> I'm I'm honestly here as a fan and I'm very, very happy to be here. Um, because I also wanted to share this book with y'all. So um but yeah, as far as yes, that is my book. It is coming out. 
Um, but I also have a whole bunch of others reader other readers' advisory books that yeah, please, I think tell you guys. Us. So this is apparently a genre I read a lot um, as a kid uh, because I had so many. Uh, obviously, Bridget Jones's Diary, which we mentioned at the top of the podcast, uh, is not for teens, <laughs> but very similar format. Also hilarious. Um, also full of these like small anecdotes that I still think about frequently. Um, very much a product of the late 90s because she's trying to record a program on the VCR for her mother. Huh. And there's like a whole section in, in Bridget Jones's diary that I just recall about her like trying to record the program and the VCR goes in and then got stuck. So she's frenziedly <laughs> pressing all the buttons and the, the tape goes out then goes back in. And I was just, it's like the specificity of these details are present both in Bridget Jones and in Georgia. Yes. Um, this is a middle grade pick, actually. It's called Absolutely Normal Chaos by Sharon Creech. I, one, I don't actually know if it's still in print, but Sharon Creech was known for the book Walk Two Moons. I don't know if you guys know that book. I know that book. I know that it perhaps hasn't aged the best. Yeah. Um, I believe it actually won the Newberry too when it first came out, but this- This book, so in Walk to Moons, there's a side character named Marianne because I guess one of the summer assignments was to write it in your journal. And Mm. she's the one character that comes to class and she's got like a stack of 10 journals. (laughs) (laughs) And the teacher's like, oh, wow, you must be a budding writer. And she's like, please don't read them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so absolutely normal chaos is Marianne's journals. And it's very similar. It's about Marianne and the boy she has a crush on in the neighborhood that she's not entirely sure has a crush on her. Um, She's also reading the book The Odyssey over the summer. And so it's kind of entwined with like her reading The Odyssey, her personal relationships because she has a weird cousin come to stay with her. Talking about weird cousins, there was a weird cousin in George's book as well. Yeah, true. Um, So... Absolutely Normal Chaos uh, does not have to be read uh, with Walk Two Moons. It could be read on its own if it's still in print. I highly recommend it. It was very funny if I remember. Um, this is also teen. We have The Princess Diaries by Meg yeah. Cabot, which I will admit I actually like the movies better. <laughs> the movies are great. Especially Princess Diaries too, because we have young Chris Pine. Yes. And it's just really funny and charming and cute and actually not at all like the books. Yeah. But uh and I enjoyed those, so both the movies and the and the books. Um and these the last three recommendations are not books, they're TV shows. So the first one I have is Dairy Girls. Yes. Yeah. Which is a show on Netflix also set in the 90s at an all-girls Catholic school. So all very relatable to me specifically. (laughs) Um, But I keep thinking too, because, you know, Georgia mentions about being a lesbian and one of the characters in Dairy Girls turns out to be a lesbian. And it's also part of my vocabulary because it's like, oh, the wee lesbian. Yes. (laughs) I was just going to say wee lesbian. Yes. (laughs) Um, Highly recommend Dairy Girls. Very funny. Um, the boy version of Dairy Girls, I would say, is a is another show called The Inbetweeners, which is very, very boy, 
boy-focused, but also absolutely hilarious. Laughed my head off when I watched that show. And then the last one, which is a little bit more earnest and probably less problematic, (laughs) is sex education. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of like British teenagers sort of like trying to figure out, you know, sex and relationships and personal things and things like that. So those are my reader's advisory. Um, I've been thinking about how, and this is why when we were talking about the the possibility of like making this series maybe relevant for a contemporary audience, this kind of like diary format, epistolary books, they're really like not in fashion right now. And I think that like, I think that this slot in the hearts of current readers has been taken more over by like, either graphic novel memoirs or like just contemporary realistic graphic novel memoirs and like the graphic novel format is letting them get at this kind of like voiceover and internal dialogue in a way that I don't know. I just don't, I'm sure that I'm sure that there are some coming out, but it's not in the way that it used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, even I was thinking like um, Meg Cabot tried to do a spinoff from the notebooks of a middle school princess with a, um, a younger biracial princess who is the half sister of Mia. And they just like kind of flopped like. Yeah. I don't even think I heard of those books. Yeah. They kind of flopped. (laughs) But (laughs) um, uh, I read the first, it was fine, but it was just like, uh and, and you know, whatever. Um, So I'll I'll put some of these up on our website, which is worstbestsellers.com. But that's my main thought is that in today's publishing landscape, like Raina Telgemeier is the new like Meg Cabot. And she's not even that new right. anymore. But, you know, like I feel like that's what we're seeing at oh, this there's, moment. There's one um, by – I can't – I'm not – I'm probably going to mispronounce her last name. But Huda Fami? Oh, yes. Yeah. Who to FRU. Yeah. Who to FRU. It's yeah. kind of similar, I think, to, yeah. to this in the graphic novel form. Yeah. And it's and it gives the same sort of like innocence as well. Yeah. Uh, I like when when this book was when the series was coming out, like there are so many contemporary to this series. If you like this sort of thing that were exactly this, that were just like diaries or you know first person accounts of this kind of told in this very similar way um but you know it's not something that i've seen a ton of since then um it also the the other two thoughts that i had were um the which this is like one of those, I, f- I feel like one of the better examples of, you know, contemporary to this sort of series were the Ruby Oliver books by E. Lockhart. Oh, yeah. I actually really liked those. Yeah. Um, those were really and good. There were a ton of other ones. And like Maureen, I- early Maureen Johnson, I feel would probably yes. fall kind of into this early Allie Carter. Uh, the Gallagher Girls. Yes, series, the Gallagher but, Girls. Um, I'm trying to think of because there, the, this is this is old fashioned YA in that not a lot of sort of younger, more innocent feeling uh, YAs published all that often these days. 
I feel like a lot of it is is more older, more angst, and more romance focused, and not the sort of younger, innocent kind of crush feeling. Maybe put it that way. Yeah, it's you know there were just there were there were so many, you know that that kind of like even like the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants series, mm-hmm. um, some of Make Habits like other books. The, um, God, what the hell were the fucking, um, the series that started with, like, sloppy firsts that I can't remember. Oh. Oh, yeah. Megan McCafferty? Megan McCafferty? Oh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, what is it? The Jessica, is it Jessica Darling series? Yes. Yes, 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 Jessica Darling. But, yeah, there, it, it feels like there was a big, there were a lot of, um, a lot of series that were very similar to this being published contemporarily. Uh, that is, so if you you do you do want to read more of this, I feel like that that would be the the way to to go. Yes. If um, as far as like epistolary or diary format books being published today, the only one I can think of, and it doesn't fit in tonally per se, but it is an epistolary book is Divine Rivals by Rebecca Ross. Um, Okay, I've seen that, but I haven't read it. Oh, it's really, really good. I really loved Mm. it. Um, But again, it's not the same sort of younger tone. It's older, it's more romantic, kind of light fantasy, but it is written in that format, and I really, I thought it was great. So I I do recommend that too. Okay, noted. Um, yeah, well, so let's move on, but we'll have this whole list and maybe some other ones we didn't get a chance to talk about up at our website, worstbestsellers.com. And, uh, now it is time for our favorite game, The Rock Paper Snicked, where Kate will say who Dwayne The Rock Johnson would be if he were in this book, and I'll say who, um, Wolverine would be if he were in this book. And JJ can choose which most enhances the book, or she can choose paper, which is to leave it as is. So if Dwayne the Rock Johnson were in this book, he would be uh, an adult who was somewhere in the community who after Georgia's father moved to New Zealand, he, you know, interacted with the Nicholson family. Um, Maybe he was a shopkeep at a shop that they went to a lot, or maybe their mailman, uh, because one of the sort of underlying things that keeps happening is that... Uh, Georgia notices that there are attractive men around after her father's (laughs) gone that her mother like tries to make herself like put together around and she's like oh like my mom's gonna have an affair with the builder or and there was another one uh and things like that so the, the the rock would would fill one of those one of those uh roles where he would you know maybe be like dropping off like groceries every once in a while and she would notice that her mom that he's you know really fit and that her mom is like putting on makeup in order to like have like a two-minute conversation with him and it would just be another one of those interactions happening in the background uh that wouldn't really affect georgia's story too much (laughs) um if wolverine were in this book uh I think he would be the one to find Angus when he goes missing. Uh, using his keen senses, he would find Angus a little bit uh, faster. And because of his healing factor, he would be relatively unimpacted by Angus's fury. And so Georgia would get Angus back a little bit sooner. 
and uh, maybe would delay that relationship with Robbie since he wouldn't be the one to bring back the cat. Ooh. First of all, I love the idea of The Rock just being a neighborhood hot guy. Uh, um, or a teacher that'd be really funny if he were uh, one of the teachers at their school I think that'd be ripe for some hilarious stories mm-hmm. um, I also like the idea of Wolverine bringing back Angus sooner but I think I may pick paper that's fair you because know. honestly like the stu- like as much as I love the rock and Wolverine and the idea of them being in this book because it doesn't materially change what happens. I think maybe that I will stick with paper this time, which is unusual. Yeah. Yeah. No, Yeah. I do feel like flashback summer is when we tend to get the most papers because you know, (laughs) these books as were have already like stuck with you. So why, why mess with them? Okay. Uh, Real quick. What do we think the moral of the story is? Well, mine is, if you want to know if you are a lesbian, just go find your poster of Denise Van Outen and imagine making out with her. Mm. Yeah. Foolproof test. Mm-hmm. Um, mine is, um, just uh, always adopt stray trash cats wherever you go. That's a good one. And I think mine has to be that it is true, being a lesbian is easier. <laughs> I am always hearing those. <laughs> All right. Now, as promised, it's time for Dorothy's Corner, where my cat Dorothy gives his opinions. My gosh. Yes, he is purring. He loved it. He loves, yeah, the respect given to this terrifying garbage cat. Um, If anything, I agree, though, that could have used more Angus, frankly. I, I also agree, and the other books do have more Angus. And the Hell second yeah. book, also, Angus has gets to have his own little romantic entanglement with a cat named Naomi. Oh my oh my yeah. Goodness. So and I highly I, recommend them to you, Duarte. Yeah, I, I understand representation is so important, and I'm so glad that you were finally able to truly see yourself in a book that we've read. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll, I'll pick up that sequel for you to take a look at, Duarte, for your recreational reading time. <laughs> um, all right, Duarte, thanks, thanks as ever for your input. Uh, do any humans have any closing thoughts? No, uh, I think I've said them all. I really do. I do love these series. Yes, there are some problematic elements. So if you do choose to pick them up, uh, be be forewarned. <laughs> yeah. yeah, content warning published in 1999. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, JJ, did you ever watch the movie adaptation of this? No, I heard it wasn't all that great to be honest i heard that one it wasn't as funny um and it just kind of lost i think they tried to update parts of it for you know like the some of the more problematic elements but i don't think they did that very well (laughs) so the the movie was 2008 so yeah so uh i would love to see if they you're right like a disney plus show i think would be really really funny yeah all right. Well, we'll keep that on our vision boards. 
Um, if you would like to come and, uh, I don't know, tell us, tell us what posters you're imagining making out with. Um, you can find us online, <laughs> uh, where on Facebook and Instagram at worst bestseller spelled normally. We're on Twitter at worst bestseller with no S because Angus ate the S and you know what? He deserved it. Yes, he does. Uh, you can find us on, uh, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, all of the places where you find podcasts. And if you do find us on one of those platforms, if you would please take a moment to rate and review. When you rate and review, it moves us up in the charts and makes it easier for new people to find us. Uh, If you don't rate and review, then uh, we are – I didn't think of a joke. God, I hate when I don't Mm. think of a joke. (laughs) We'll be sad. Um, we'll write <laughs> and you'll be crying over Angus's bowl. It's true. Oh, we'll be yes. <laughs> filling uh, it up with our tears. <laughs> <laughs> we also have a Patreon available at patreon.com slash worst bestsellers. Patreon is a service where you offer a small small monthly recurring donation that goes to us to do things like keep our equipment up to date and keep our website running. And in return, there are perks for you, like a bonus episode once once a month where we talk about what we've been into lately uh, and a postcards and stickers in the mail. We also have merch available that you can find by going to worstbestsellers.com and clicking on merch where you'll find all sorts of designs from our podcast to wear on your body. And finally, we do have a Discord, which is also linked from worstbestsellers.com, where you can come and join and talk with other fans about the show and books you're reading and shows you're watching and how disappointing this season of Riverdale has been and (laughs) all sorts of whatever is on your mind. So disappointing, by the way. Um, I'm not even tweeting about Riverdale because I'm just like, what's the point? But if I were, (laughs) I would be at Renata Snacks. Uh, I don't care about Riverdale one way or the other, uh, but I am on social media at 14 across. And JJ, where can people find you and remind everyone again uh, about when your book comes out? Sure. Uh, people can find me everywhere online uh, at pretty much under the handle SJ Jones. That's S J A E J O N E S. I am on Twitter. TikTok and Instagram, but really the only social media platform I use these days is Instagram uh, because Twitter is is a, a hell pit and TikTok mm-hmm. is for the youths and I'm too old. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and my website is sjjones.com. Uh, the ne- my next book is the first in a four book series called mm-hmm. The Guardians of Dawn. And the first one, Jara, comes out or is out by the time this goes up, uh, August 1st. So... And you should read it. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. Yes, it, please. I'm, man- I'm manifesting that it will be a best bestseller. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, I mean, it's already it's already a best book. I'm manifesting this the sales numbers. Well. <laughs> thank you very yeah. much. <laughs> you, yeah, you did you did your part writing a great book. I'm manifesting the sales. Um, great. See how goes. Uh, JJ, thank you so much for joining us and bringing this like truly delightful book to us. Yeah, thank you for having me. I've just I love Flashback Summer. I, honestly, I love the rest of your podcast, but Flashback oh, Summer is you. is actually it's it's so nice to to talk about books that most of us actually enjoyed. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's it's a treat for for everyone, but especially us. Yes. <laughs> um 
And we're you were gonna continue. We're having a slightly extended flashback summer this year because we deserve it. And uh, so we'll be back in two weeks with Nancy Drew and the Secret at Solaire by Carolyn Keene. And I am doing Carolyn Keene in air quotes uh, <laughs> for this one. Uh, so we'll see you then. And thanks. And bye. 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 bye.